Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the newly discovered record-breaking monkey dactyl fossil, whether it's safe to eat food that has freezer burn, and some genes that activate in your brain after you die. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Researchers working in China have found the oldest pair of thumbs ever documented by scientists. And guess what was attached to them? A dinosaur! A new kind of dinosaur, in fact. They call it monkey dactyl because of the thumbs. They think it could climb trees and fly. And it's called monkey dactyl. And that's great. This 160 million year old fossil came from an ancient forest in China that was flush with evergreens, ginkgo trees, and dinosaurs. Lucky for us, remains from the forest were preserved in volcanic rock. Monkeysaurus is one of more than 100 fossils that have been recovered from the formation so far. The researchers used micro-CT scans to examine the fossil while it was still embedded in the rock. Those observations, combined with other techniques, told the paleontologists a ton about the little dino. It had a wingspan of about three feet, or a little less than a meter, and at the end of each wing was a hand. A hand with two fingers and an opposable thumb. The thumbs are a big deal because they're pretty rare. Some mammals have them, like primates, and so do a lot of tree frogs. As for reptiles, only one has the magic digit, chameleons. Now, the big question now is what were the thumbs for? A rare trait like this probably wouldn't have developed unless it was useful. It's possible those fancy phalanges came in handy for grabbing insects and other sources of food. The paleontologists behind the find think the thumbs were mostly used to help these dinos climb around on trees. They did some extra work to support that claim. They compared monkey dactyl's skeleton with a bunch of others, 25 skeletons from similar dinosaurs and 150 from other species that are known to climb trees. The researchers say that monkey dactyl's muscles and joints strongly suggest that it was, in fact, a tree climber. But for the record, not every paleontologist is convinced. One reason is that a single fossil just doesn't offer that much data. Does this fossil contain enough evidence to justify making a generalization about the whole species? Well, that's where science becomes a judgment call. Skeptics of the tree-climbing hypothesis have a second argument. Not every creature with opposable thumbs uses them to climb. Just look at otters. And yeah, otters have thumbs, apparently. Paleontologists are sure to spend years debating what it was that monkey dactyl used its ancient thumbs to do. But there's no debating whether this 160-million-year-old fossil was a choice find. And that's why we talked about it. We always keep our thumb on the pulse of paleontology. I feel like your finger's on a pulse, your thumb is on the scale. I'll put my thumb there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Is it safe to eat food that has freezer burn? It seems like people ask this question a lot. And fortunately, we looked into it way back in 2018. So here's that story remastered just for you. So have you ever opened your freezer and reached for some ice cream and just seen it surrounded by ice? Yes, it is gross and I don't want to eat it. And it's depressing. Like you wanted ice cream. And right. what, what is this mess? Well, it's actually safe to eat freezer burned food, even if it's maybe not that appetizing. 
So what happens is the water inside your frozen food actually comes out. Kind of like when you're boiling water and water escapes in the form of steam, water inside frozen food sublimates. The water escapes and it dehydrates the food that's been staying in your freezer. So what's happened in your freezer is the water inside the meat or the ice cream or the veggies or whatever has actually been drawn out into the air and then turned back into solid ice crystals on its surface, which is why if you've ever, I don't know, Cody, if you've ever put a tray of ice cubes in the freezer and then haven't looked at them for months and you go back and they're smaller, that's because they're sublimating. That ice is actually coming out into the air and sticking to other things in your freezer. Weird. Yeah. That's what's happening to the food, too. But instead of it just getting smaller, it gets all dried out and gross. So like with a steak, let's say some of the water inside comes out, but it doesn't evaporate. It turns into like a crystal form. Yeah, it just turns into ice on the outside instead of nice moisture on the inside. It's like an opposite evaporation. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, really weird. So this causes it to get discolored because it's oxidized by the surrounding air. So it changes color, kind of like an apple browns when you cut it. That doesn't mean it's spoiled. It's just not really that tasty. And we all know that it has a certain flavor to it that's not that appetizing. If you want to prevent that from happening, keep your food wrapped up really, really tight. This is where vacuum sealers really come in handy or even mason jars. Because if the water in the food doesn't contact the dryer around it, it can't sublimate and your food will stay fresher for longer. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people picture death like flipping a light switch. Basically, we go from alive to, well, not. But in fact, death, even when it's quick, is more complicated than that. Some things turn off immediately, but others keep working for a while. And even weirder, there are genes that become more active in our brains after we die. Studying these could help us develop new life-saving treatments for certain conditions. A team of researchers from the University of Illinois at Chicago discovered this by harvesting samples of brain tissue during routine brain surgery. See, when scientists study brain diseases, like Alzheimer's and schizophrenia, they use dead brain tissue to do it. But we don't know a ton about what happens to the brain during death, and these researchers wondered if dead brain tissue was even a reliable stand-in for living tissue. So to find out, they would have to watch what happens to live tissue after it was removed. So they harvested samples from living people during brain surgeries performed to treat neurological disorders. The researchers observed the harvested brain tissue at room temperature for a period of 24 hours. All the while, they watched to see which genes were active. The genes involved in memory and cognitive function went dark pretty quickly, but not all of the genes followed suit. Roughly 80% of the genes they were interested in stayed active, as if nothing was amiss. The researchers referred to these genes as housekeeping genes and expected them to continue about their business until the cells totally ran out of energy. But there was a third category that actually ramped up their activity after death. They were basically zombie genes. These zombie genes didn't activate in all cells. Their activity was limited to a specific type of cell called a glial cell. There are several different types of glial cells, but their main job is to act like a maintenance crew. They support and protect other brain cells and clean things up after injury. 
These genes caused the glial cells to grow and become more active while everything around them was shutting down. And that makes sense since these cells exist to help in times of crisis. Understanding the way the genes are activated in the brain will help scientists better understand neurological disorders that cause tissue damage to the brain. Eventually, they hope this type of research can lead to cures for degenerative conditions like Alzheimer's disease. Hopefully, we can take advantage of these bizarre genetic behaviors to develop new treatments. By studying death, we might eventually save lives. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today. Starting with this question. What has two thumbs and is 160 million years old? Monkey dactyl. It's a new kind of dinosaur with the oldest pair of thumbs we've ever documented. These thumbs were on a two-fingered, one-thumbed hand at the end of each wing. And that wingspan was just about a few feet wide. Paleontologists think the thumbs were there to help the dinosaurs climb around on trees. But with just one fossil on record right now, that's really just our best guess. Fun facts, Pokemon number 142, Aerodactyl, also has two fingers and opposable thumbs. I knew you'd find that fascinating, Ashley. But a more fun fact is that the word dactyl comes from the Greek word for finger. And in science, dactyl is used to refer to a digit such as a finger or toe. So there you go. I love etymology. Also, pterodactyl, because that's probably what most people know dactyl from. Pteron means wing, so wing finger. That's pretty weird. Sounds like it's going to be at Buffalo Wild Wings or something. <laughs> Can I get a serving of wing fingers, please? Thanks. <laughs> you want to debate whether boneless chicken wings are really just chicken nuggets? No, nope, or... I don't. Okay. I don't want to yep, do me that. Me neither. Me neither. Great. I've never. Nope. That's one of the things I just don't. You're not going to hear on this show. <laughs> I think everyone just did, but. <laughs> and we also learned that you can eat food that has freezer burn. It just might not taste as good. Freezer burn happens when the water escapes from your frozen food and turns into ice crystals, also known as sublimation. And you can stop this from happening by wrapping up your food really tightly, like with a vacuum seal, which is something I absolutely feel like, Ashley, you do. I have a vacuum sealer. I usually only uh, use I knew it, it. <laughs> but I don't use it for the freezer that much, actually. I'm, I'm too lazy for that. I do a lot of freezing of things. And generally, I just use like a Ziploc bag or... I have these reusable silicone baggies that I put in the dishwasher after I'm done with them so that I don't use as much plastic. Very nice. Yeah. But yeah, you know, just squeeze out as much air as you can. That's basically what I do. And we also learned that there are genes that are basically zombie genes that activate in our brains after we die. These genes activated in glial cells, which are the cells that basically support and protect other brain cells. It's a strange genetic behavior, but learning more about it could help us understand neurological disorders like Alzheimer's. These genes kind of remind me of like a parachute that deploys after a crash landing. Like maybe if we can figure out how to deploy the parachute earlier, it'll be more helpful. Huh. In this case, I mean, they are there to deploy like while the plane's going down because they're, they're there to clean up living brain tissue. It's just that in this case... The brain tissue was not coming back because they had taken it during surgery and it wasn't being returned to its rightful owner. So they watched these cells try to save the tissue, but they couldn't. But you're right that if we can kind of put them into high gear when damage is happening and yeah, maybe they could save the day someday. 
Today's writers were Grant Curran and Cameron Duke. Our managing editor is Ashley Hammer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Go ahead, eat that six-month-old ice cream. It's just a little freezer burn. I'm just kidding. That's gross. Just go get a milkshake. Literally anywhere else instead. Then join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.